Now, the Lord dropped something in my heart a couple of weeks ago. It was very, uh, I would say it this way, it's kind of by surprise. It, it came when I was doing something else. And he dropped in my spirit the word willing. So I want to work with that today. How many of you believe God with me today? There's some good things here that I believe that we need to get. All of us, and I believe that as we get it, it's going to help us grow and it's going to help us prosper. So let's look at this willingness from the scriptures. Turn with me to Matthew, the eighth chapter. First of all, it talks about this leper who came to Jesus and asked him a very important question. In verse one, it says, and when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing you can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. So the great I am says, I will. And he is still the great I am, and he is still willing today. He's not only willing, but he's more than able. And so he said, I will be thou clean And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. In other words, Jesus was saying, of course I will. So we know beyond any shadow of a doubt that healing is the will of the Father. Because Jesus didn't come down to do his own will, but he came down here to do the will of the Father that sent him. Amen. So he's still willing today. He's not only willing to heal But he's willing to save. Amen. Amen. He's willing to restore. He's willing willing to take that which was broken, even a broken heart, and make it whole again. He can take a mind that's been racked emotionally, and he can take a soul, and he can restore it. Because he is our shepherd, and he is the restorer of our soul. And he is forever willing to make people whole in every area of their lives. Now, there was a woman with the issue of blood who had suffered many things, about 12 years. And she went to several uh, physicians. And the Bible says she was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. That's not a good thing. In Matthew, or Mark chapter 5, verse 26, it says, She suffered many things and many physicians, spent everything she had, nothing better, but got worse. But thank God, when she heard of Jesus... Have you heard of Jesus? Have you heard that he's good? Have you heard that he's still going about doing good? And healing and delivering all that were oppressed of the devil. Oh, thank God. He is the forever good. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. This woman was willing and determined to touch the willing one. She came in the press behind and touched his garment. This showed her determination and her strong will to be healed. Now notice in verse 28, For she said, If I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. One translation says, She kept saying, Her will and desire was so strong that she was not going to be denied. She pressed through the pressure. And she kept declaring and kept saying, I shall be whole. 
Verse 29, and straightway, immediately. The fountain of her blood was dried, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, knowing immediately in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said, You see the multitude thronging thee, and why are you saying, Who touched me? Luke's translation says, Somebody touched me. See, Jesus never looks at anyone as a nobody. There are no nobodies in the human race. There are no nobodies in this auditorium this morning. You are somebody because you are in Him. And He said, somebody has touched me. I wonder if somebody touches Him today, can we get the same results? Oh, lift your hands and say, I'm that somebody. I am that somebody. <laughs> and verse 32, And it looked around about to see that her had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came down and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith. Thy faith has made you whole. Go in peace. And be whole of thy plague. If her faith made her whole, your faith can make you whole. Glory to God. Now it's interesting that her faith was released by word and action. She kept saying it. But while she kept saying it, she kept pressing. She kept believing. She kept expecting. I just want to encourage you today, don't cast away your confidence. Hold fast to the confession of your faith. Hold fast to the word of the living God. And as you hold fast to the word of God, your heavenly high priest will watch over his word to perform it on your behalf. For he is the apostle and high priest of your confession. So don't give up. Keep pressing. Keep praising, keep dancing, keep shouting, keep coming to church, keep serving, keep serving God with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all of your strength. Don't look back, look up, and look forward. Your best days are here and right now. Oh, glory to God. But to maintain that kind of expectancy, you've got to have a willing heart. We can't be weak. We can't be emaciated believers. We must stay strong in the Lord and in the power of His mind. How about those ten lepers in Luke chapter uh, 17 verse 11? It came to pass as He went to Jerusalem that He passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as He entered into a village, there met Him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them. Say this with me. He said unto them. Said See, we need to know what he's saying unto us. Because he will give us instructions that on the other side of those instructions, there's a breakthrough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And they lifted up their voice and said, Jesus, have mercy on us. And he saw them and he said to them, 
Now go show yourself to the priests. And it came to pass. And it came to pass. And it shall come to pass in your life. As you follow his instructions, as you live out what he said, you too can be made whole of whatever's been bugging you, whatever's been holding you back or holding you down. And it came to pass. Say it me, it came to pass. It shall all come to pass. It shall come to pass in my life. And it came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. So they acted on the word of the master. And as a result of that, they were completely cleansed. If they never, ever would have went, they never, ever would have been healed. Their healing was connected to them doing something. Your deliverance. Your freedom. In area, in any area of your life is connected to you hearing the word and doing the word. If you're willing to be healed, if you're willing to be set free by the willing one, then you will do whatever the willing one asks you to do. Whether, whether or not it's drugs or alcohol, whether or not it's pornography, whatever the case may be, you can make the adjustments. And I know that those are very graphic illustrations. But I learned these things from experience. There was a time in my life where I had to turn my heart and my life completely over to Him. I had to do it willingly. I had to be willing to go through treatment. I had to be willing to go through the process that it took at that time and where I was in my life to submit myself to someone who could help me. And how many of you know God works through people? God works through programs. God works. He's working. He's working. And He's working in your life. Submit yourself. Submit yourself to His plan. Do whatever you need to do, not only to, to get free, but to stay free. You know, it might be food. The Lord may give you a word about food. I'm not a dietitian. I'm not going to mess with your cookies. I'm not going to mess with your donuts. But I will say this, if cookies and donuts are hindering your life and hindering your divine health, then you need to make some adjustments. And I just heard the organ right there. The Lord may deal with you to get rid of your credit cards. If credit cards are lording it over you and you are in debt up to your eyebrows, I believe this, that the word of the Lord for you is cut those credit cards up. So you've got to be willing to follow any instruction that the Lord gives you because on the other side of willingness, there are results. I said on the other side of willingness and obedience, you're going to eat the good of the land. You're going to wear the good of the land. You're going to drive the good of the land. You're going to, whoo, glory to God. You're going to participate in the goodness of God that he's made available to you. Isaiah 119 says this, if you be willing, if you be willing, not just willing, but obedient, you're going to eat the good of the land. That's just another way of saying you're going to partake of his goodness. And oh my, his goodness is vast. 
His goodness is great. And it's laid up for those who will fear Him. It's laid up for those who will reverence Him. It's laid up for those who will honor Him. It's laid up for those who will turn away from sin. It is laid up for those who will turn away from the curse and say, you know what? I'm not going to live any longer under the curse. I'm too blessed to live under the curse. I fear God. I not only reverence God, but quite frankly, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of dishonoring God. Because I know that dishonoring God opens up the door to the enemy. And we do not need to open up the door to the enemy in any fashion, way, or form. We need to keep that, that, that door closed and shut in Jesus' name. See, there's two sides to the fear of the Lord. There's reverence, but there's also there's a fear and trembling. You know, it's an awesome thing to fall in the hands of what? Of a living God. It got really quiet in here. Somebody says, God didn't give you a spirit of fear, Pastor Mark. I know. But when it comes to him, I'm going to take my shoes off. I'm going to bow before him. And I'm going to say, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your plan. Glory to God. Somebody shout amen. Amen. His goodness is vast. That's why he says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's restoration in His goodness. There's abundance in His goodness. Now, here's what I got in my spirit as I was preparing this message. And that is this. Small adjustments can lead to great manifestations. Small adjustments can lead to great manifestations. And I want to give you four adjustments that we could make that will lead us to some awesome manifestations or some awesome breakthroughs. Now, I don't know whether I'm going to get through all four of these or not, but this first one is a huge one. Are you ready? Buckle up. (laughs) These instructions are not all inclusive. And I'm quite certain that they're different for all of us. So I encourage you to pray. And I encourage you to follow whatever leadings that the Holy Spirit gives you and make the adjustments that may be necessary for you get for you to get to the other side of what you're going through. Number one, we must be willing to humble ourselves. We must be willing to humble ourselves. And immediately I thought of Naaman. You know, we're going to read that and we're going to look at something from Naaman and tie that into our lives. In 1 Kings chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, Now Naaman was the captain of the host of the king of Syria. He was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was what? But he was... In fact, a leper. So we looked at three lepers, right? And the Syrians had gone out by companies and brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, that, that, 
Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. So Naaman got hold of this, and he said, okay, let's head over to Elisha's place. And pick it up in verse 9. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot, and he stood at the the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Now get the picture. Naaman was rich. Naaman was wealthy. And he went with great pomp and great circumstance to see Elisha. He was expecting something of Elisha that would have been if you will, spectacular. He may have expected Elisha to come out and just wave his hand and give him a blessing and cleanse him of his lepers. But instead, Elisha sent out a messenger. He sent out a helper. So Naaman with his horses, verse 9, and with his chariot, stood before the house of of Elisha. And Elisha sent out a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, that thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman... (laughs) But Naaman was angry. Naaman was ticked off. And said, Behold, I thought. We can get into serious trouble going by what we think. Follow this. Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over this place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Parpar rivers of Damascus better than the waters of Israel? Do you see the pride here? Do you see the pride that was in his life? Our rivers are better than the Jordan. May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away in a rage. He was so full of pride... His miracle was awaiting him in the Jordan River. But because it wasn't how he thought it should be. Because it wasn't exactly the way that he saw it. Instead, he turned away and he went away in a rage. He was upset. Now notice this. And his servants, verse 13 and 14, came near and spoke unto him and said, My father, if the proper had bid, prophet had bid thee to come to do some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he saith unto thee, wash and be clean. So all of a sudden the lights go on. He says, leprosy or Jordan? Even though Jordan is dirty and Jordan is stinky. I've been there. I've baptized people in the Jordan River. It's not a sight to behold. (laughs) Leprosy or Jordan? Ding! The lights go on. 
and verse 14. Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. Say that with me. According According to the saying of the man of God. And what happened? His flesh came again like unto the flesh of a child, and he was clean. He was clean. Now, here is something that all of us, I'm sure, at one point in our life or another, have fallen into. And that's pride. How many of you know that the scripture says that pride goes before what? Now, nobody in this auditorium, including me, is not interested in falling. Right? So if we're not interested in falling, then we shouldn't give ourselves over to assumptions. Anybody, let's be honest about it. Anybody ever had a situation in your life where I thought it should have been this way? Or I thought it should have been that way? Now... Presumption is pride. Pride is assuming that things should be a certain way just so it's my way. Now, notice with me now in Habakkuk chapter 2, and notice with me in verse 4. We're going to look at it from Young's translation. We're going to work with this for a while. You still here? Notice what Young says. He said, Lo, a presumptuous one. Not upright is his soul within him. We could say that Naaman's soul was not upright in him. His soul was high and lifted up in himself. And Habakkuk is addressing this saying, A presumptuous one... One that assumes, one that presumes, one that's thinking it should be this way instead of that way, my way instead of Yahweh. A presumptuous one, his soul is not upright in him. That means there's something wrong with a person that is presumptuous. There's something wrong with their soul. There's something wrong with their mind. I'm not talking about, you know, they're crazy or anything. But I'm talking about their mind is not attached, if you will, to the mind of Christ. We could say it another way. Their mind is not sound, but their mind is unsound. An unsound mind will always lead you away from what God has to say. But a sound mind, one whose soul is upright in him, will live for him, submit to him, and follow every instruction that he may give. Hallelujah. Now there's more here. I got to get this thing up here. Praise the Lord. Well, I guess I'll go back up. That's pretty low. How low can you go? I don't want to go that low. So I thought it would be this way. I I, I thought it would be that way. I've been there. I've been there. I've been there. Have you been there? 
Let me tell you something. God's ways are always best. So what we need to do then is get rid of presumption and humble ourselves and yield to His will and yield to His ways and yield to His timing. God's timing is much better than your timing. I think I'll try this section over here. I said, like someone recently said, God's timing is always better than your timing. God's timing. His way. His will. His plan. Now look at James chapter 4 and verse 6 and verse 7. James the fourth chapter Verse 6 and verse 7. And I'm looking at this from the NLT. It says this. And he gives grace generously. I said he gives grace generously. And not only that, he's merciful. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud. But what does he do to the humble? He gives grace to who? The humble. Next verse. So humble yourself before God. Resist the devil. And what will the devil do? Now, I think it's interesting that in the context of humbling ourselves, God says, when you do that, you'll be able to resist the devil. Why is that? Because the devil is the author of pride. He said, I will be like the Most High. The devil had a plan for his life that wasn't the plan of God. And the enemy's plan for our lives is to get us so puffed up in pride that we think that we can live and move without his instruction and without his leading. But a true humble person is submitted to God. And when they resist that pride, that pride will have to flee from them. Now look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and verses 6 through 8. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 8. So humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. Man will not have to lift you up in honor. But He will lift you up in honor if you will humble yourselves. And then in the same context of that verse, he says, give all your worries and cares to God. Why? Because he cares about you. But then he warns us, he says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, which is pride. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone he may devour. I am a may not. How about you? But one thing we need to make sure that we hold very closely to our hearts is God's humility in our lives.
and opening ourselves up to His thinking, His thoughts, and His ways. Naaman made the adjustment. And it turned out well. We too can make the adjustments. But it requires humility. One person said this years ago that humility is our protection from deception and frustration. Say that with me. Humility is my protection from deception and frustration. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. If we can pull that up there, that would be awesome. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9 says this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, says the Lord. Verse 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. Now the way that we can tap into his thoughts is we need to submit our thoughts to his thoughts. And the foundation of that starts with renewing our minds. And if we don't renew our minds, we'll never be able to pick up on his thoughts. It's on a completely different channel. That's why it's so important to daily feed on God's Word, daily know who you are in Christ, daily know what God thinks about you. He has thoughts about you. The thoughts that He has about you are awesome. The thoughts that He has about you are great to prosper you and to not harm you. But you've got to know that. And that starts by renewing your mind as a process on a daily basis. Otherwise, our thinking can be cuckoo. I said our thinking can be very, very carnal. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 6, I'm sure you're familiar with this verse of Scripture. In Romans 8, 6, it says this, For to be carnally minded is what? It's death. In other words, a person's mind who is carnal is, is really according to the flesh and the mindset of the world system. And the world system is very selfish. The world system is all about me, myself, and I. But the kingdom of God system is completely different from the world system. The kingdom of God's system is about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is not about meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And you will have great joy in your life and great peace in your life if you will submit your will to Him. Woo, glory to God. So to be carnally minded, look at your name and say, that's not you. Point to yourself and say, that's not me. To be carnally minded is death. But oh, thank God, to be spiritually minded. 
A man or a woman whose mind is hooked up to the mind of Christ. A man or a woman whose mind is hooked up to a sound mind. That produces life. That produces peace. That produces the results that you need in your life to get through anything that comes your way. To go to the other side. To make it through. To live as the head and not the tail. To live as above and not beneath. Amen. To be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. A sound mind, a renewed mind, a humble person will be exalted. A humble person will rise to the highest places in life. Woo! Glory to God. And so we got to be honest with ourselves. And we need to check up on ourselves and examine ourselves. And communion is a good time to do that. We do not examine ourselves to bring condemnation into our lives. We examine ourselves to open up to correction from the Spirit of the living God. For whom He loves, He corrects. And He never corrects you to put you down. He corrects you so that you can humble yourself and be lifted up and rise to the high places of life. Hallelujah. To be carnally minded is death, but oh, thank God I'm looking at a congregation today who are spiritually minded, sensitive to the Spirit of God, who is the Spirit of truth. He's not the Spirit of, let's take a risk. He's not the Spirit of presumption. He's not the Spirit of foolishness. He is the Spirit of truth. And He will show you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to your life so that you can walk out and live in the goodness of God. Lo, a presumptuous one whose soul is not upright in Him. And, but the rest of that verse says, but the just. Come on, somebody. But the just. He's talking about the just. He's talking about you. He's talking about me. But the just who humble themselves under the word of God, the just shall live by his faith. See, the just shall live by faith is preached a lot. Presumption's not. But I think that there's a lot of people that are not receiving from God because their soul has been lifted up in them. But oh, thank God, you can make the adjustments. So he says, how do you know, Pastor? Because I've made them myself. <laughs> Has the Holy Spirit ever pointed out to you something that needed to change? Well, it behooves us to change what he says, change. Because quite frankly, you and I are the change generation. Amen. We're changed into the same image of God. And we're going from glory to glory and grace to grace. Number one. <laughs> Number one, humble yourself. Somebody says, there's four, relax. I've got a speed dial on my preaching. Number two, lay aside sin. Sin will hurt, sin will hurt you. Sin will hinder you. Lay aside the sin. What has it gotten you? But maybe a few days of pleasure. But after those few days of pleasure are gone... Where are you? Sin brings confusion and sin brings darkness into people's lives. 
So lay aside the weights. There's so many weights out there. Lay aside those weights. You don't need to be tethered to the natural realm. You're made to soar in the spirit with God. Lay aside those things that take up a lot of your time when you could be serving God. Lay lay aside those things that are costing you a lot of money when you could bring your money into the house of God. Hey! (laughs) Lay aside those weights. There's a lot of weights out there. Lay aside those trivial pursuits. Lay those things aside. Because at the end of the day, when this is all over with, all that is going to remain is you before the Lord. And me before the Lord. And my prayer for myself and for Brenda, for all of you, is that we would hear, well done. We're not going to hear, well done, if we spend all of our lives tethered to the weights of this world. So lay aside the weights and the sin which does so easily beset you and run with patience the race that is set before you. Oh, folks, there's a race to run. Now, I don't know how many more laps are, 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 are around the corner, but we, made our, we better run our race with patience. We better run our laps with strength. Number three. I told you I got speed dial. Number three. Be willing to submit yourself to His Word concerning whatever case you are in. Whatever situation you find yourself in, you'll find the answers in the Word. Yes, amen. Amen? amen. Now, healing, for example, there's the, I call them the big four. The big four. Listen, folks, you've got to be willing to feed on healing scriptures daily and consistently. I woke up this morning with Nancy Dufresne in my ear. I had my device on. And she was preaching healing scriptures to me. The big four. Isaiah 53. He was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Matthew 8.17. Jesus himself took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses. Galatians 3.13 Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law being made a curse for you for it is written cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. I'm looking at a group of people who are not cursed but a group of people that are blessed. So say it with me real strong I'm not under the curse. I'm living under the blessing. And then 1 Peter 2.24 says by his stripes you were what? Say it with me by his stripes. I was healed. healed. So that's the big four. 
Submit yourself to his word concerning your healing. Be willing to spend time in the word. And the willing one will cause you to live in divine health all the days of your life. He will saturate your spirit, your soul, and your body with his anointing. He will quicken you by his word. And he will quicken you by his spirit. And then number four, lastly. Lastly, make sure that you follow Abraham's life and make sure that you follow Abraham's faith. And let's close with Romans chapter 4, verse 17 through 21. Romans, the fourth chapter. Number four, be willing to follow Abraham's example of faith. Verse 17, it says, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead. And what does he do? He calls those things which be not as though they were. Verse 18, read it with me. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be, verse 19, and be not weak in faith, he considered not his own body when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, doing what? Can anyone give glory to God today? Now notice in verse 21, and being partially persuaded. Is that what it says? No. Abraham was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Listen, you've got some promises on the inside of you that you've been holding fast to for years and years and years. Don't let them go because the ability of God is there to perform them on your behalf. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. It was imputed for you and me. So I see three things here to do. Three things to do. Out of Romans verse 4, 17 through 21. Three things to do. And all of them involve the word not. They all involve the word not. Number one. Abraham called those things which be not as though they were. Did you know that you can call those things which be not as though they were? You can call your body healed. When it doesn't feel healed. You can call abundance in your life when the bills have stacked up. You can call your kidneys whole. You can call your knees strong. Come on, somebody. You can talk to your body. And you can call it well. Even though your body is saying, not well, not good. Faith calls those things which be not as though they were until they are. So call yourself strong. Call yourself healed. Call yourself rich. Call yourself what God has called you. Don't submit to what the world may call you. Submit to what God has already called for you and done for you. Call those things that be not as though they were. I'm calling revival in the Bay Area. 
I'm calling this church paid in full. I'm calling the supernatural intervention of God in your life. We're calling the things which don't look like until they are. Oh, glory to God. We got any callers here? Amen. Don't call for the cat if you want the dog. Don't call it sick if you want healing. Don't call it poor if you want rich. Don't call it worried if you want peace. Call the things. Speak the things that be not as though they were. My mind is my mind. I have a sound mind. I'll never ever lose my mind. I've got the mind of Christ. The wisdom of God is formed within me. Speak forth what God has said concerning your life. Call it like you want it. And then second, the second not is Abraham considered not. He called those things that be not. Secondly, he considered not. What did he consider not? He considered not his own body now dead. Neither yet the said deadness of Sarah's womb. But instead he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now what does that mean to us? If we're going to consider not, we need to consider something else. And the one we consider is Jesus. Consider Jesus, who's the author and finisher of your faith. And when we say consider Jesus, we're saying consider his work. Consider his word. Consider what he's promised. Amen. Amen. You know, when there's pain racking through your body, it's difficult not to consider that. But you can. I said you can. How many of you can testify that even in the darkest moment physically, when pain was surging through your body, the Holy Spirit helped you not to consider that, not to uh, think about that, but rather to consider His Word? We've experienced it. And so that becomes like a mindset. Because symptoms rage. The curse is out there. But we've been redeemed from the curse. And here's what I know to be true about God's Word. God's Word is spirit and God's Word is life. And the life that is in that Word will get in you. For my words are life unto those that find them. And my words are health to all of their flesh. So change channels. Change channels and start considering Jesus. Consider what He said about your babies. Consider what He said about your finances. What did He say about your finances? He said, I'll supply all your need. And I'll do it according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. The third thing that Abraham did not do And we must not do. He staggered not. He called those things that be not. He staggered not. He considered not. I looked up that word stagger there. It says, He staggered not at the promise of God through what? Through unbelief. Unbelief will cause you to stagger. Unbelief. Now, that word stagger means hesitation. 
It means to, to draw back. A, a, a drunk that is staggering is not balanced. A Christian that is staggering between unbelief and faith is not balanced. We must not hesitate at the promises of God. Come on, somebody. Unbelief is real. Unbelief is there. But we have been given world-overcoming faith. We've been given unbelieving, overcoming faith. So stagger not. But quit ye like men. Act like a man. Act like a woman of God. Rise up, child of God. Know that you've been redeemed. Stand strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And don't you stagger and don't you waver. And you will get the promised result. Four things. Humble yourself. Who remembers the second one? Lay aside sin. Number three, be willing to get into the Word and stay in it. And number four, follow Abraham's faith. Say with me, I'm calling things that be not as though they were. I'm considering not the circumstances of life. And I'm staggering not at the promise of God through unbelief. Let's everybody stand right now. Glory to God. Glory to God. That's a whole lot of information in about 40 minutes. But I tell you what, if you do, do what you've just heard, your life will be changed. Hallelujah. Lift your one hand up toward heaven. Declare it with me in the name of Jesus. I humble myself under the mighty hand of God that you may exalt me in due time place a hand over your heart and pray this Lord keep your son keep your servant from presumptuous sins help me Lord to think the thoughts of God and to follow fully what you are saying to my heart in Jesus name